Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skits M. Jones. I am your host, Skits M. Jones. And I just saw Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time dot 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 in Hollywood. Um, it was fun. It was a nice little ride. It was a nice little homage to a certain era of Hollywood. Um, You know, most uh, modern... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Not not quite mythology, but the, the prevailing pop cultural view of that era of history, that, that, you know, 50s, 60s era of Hollywood really kind of came crashing to a halt uh, after the uh, the Manson family murders of, of Sharon Tate and uh, the other folks who were home uh, that night. And um, in uh, spoiler alerts, uh, if you care about such things, but somewhat, somewhat spoiler. No, it's definitely spoiler alerts. Tarantino's thing that he's doing now with a lot of his historical uh, pieces, whether it's Inglorious Bastards or this one, is a re- uh, a rewriting of history uh, and a, uh, a changing of of events to better honor. Uh, narratives that that he uh, enjoys. So, for example, in this one, uh, the Manson family is stopped before they uh, kill Sharon Tate and and the others at the home uh, by the main characters uh, of of the movie, um, played by Brad Pitt and uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, in an almost kind of wish-fulfillment way, the same way that... uh, uh, Pitt and, oh God, who else was with him? Uh, the Inglorious Bastards, uh, killed Hitler and all the other high-ranking Nazi officers, along with, uh, uh, Shoshana, uh, I believe was the character who set fire to the theater and everything. Anyway, um, Quentin likes to rewrite history in a way that, that informs, uh, the, stylistic choices he makes in the narrative he wants to tell, uh, of how history could have been better, uh, in, in his eyes. And, uh, by, uh, you know, changing the outcome of, of that night, the, of the, the Manson family murders, um, allows that element of Hollywood, that, that history of Hollywood to continue on. Uh, which, you know, some could argue it has in Quentin's uh, films as homage to that era, if that makes sense. Um, but anyway, uh, the the narrative uh, adjustments made to history notwithstanding, um, you know, it definitely feels like a movie that is honoring a very specific time and a place. And we know... Uh, that that Tarantino idolizes that element of Hollywood. You know, he's he's above all else a fan of the medium, of the era, of the craft, of of all that. Um, and this is his love letter to that. Um, 
That said, I feel like he the, he gets in his own way a little bit. Um, I love the acting. The, the cast was great. Uh, DiCaprio and Pitt are fantastic together. Great chemistry. Um, real fun watching them play off each other. Uh, all, all the rest of the cast is, is fantastic. Um, he captures the, the look of the time and the, the look of the films of the time, uh, and the television and everything, uh, with the, with the references to things that both did exist and things that were manufactured just for the movie. Um, but God damn it, dude, we get it. You fucking love feet. Like, holy shit. It's because it's so known that Tarantino has this weird foot fetish thing when he goes out of his way to highlight feet the way he does in movies, it's now just distracting and gross. Um, Because it's not even subtle in any way, shape, or form. He just loves having feet, and particularly in this movie, just dirty feet, women's feet, uh, take up a, a... fair percentage of the the foreground in the framing of of certain scenes and it's obviously unnecessary and simply catering to his fetish and one could argue all of his movies are fetish you know he fetishizes certain eras of hollywood he fetishizes uh certain styles of film and filmmakers he fetishizes uh, uh you know certain um uh eras and genres of music like Tarantino's movie are fetishization of uh culture of you know times in the zeitgeist and so when you just throw one more fetish on top of it um it in this case, distracted from the movie, because any time all of a sudden there's just feet on screen, everyone in the audience just kind of groaned like, okay, okay, Tarantino, we see you, we know what you're doing, like, whatever, dude. Um, To the point where, yeah, it kind of, it, it takes you out of the movie because it makes you think about the filmmaker as opposed to thinking about the film. Um, That would be my, my main critique of the movie. Otherwise, you know, fun little romp. Um, you know, some decent action set pieces. And again, the the chemistry of the characters is is really fun. Um, Margot Robbie does a, a, a really uh, bang-up job as Sharon Tate. Um, you know, all of the all of the, the references to, you know, real actors uh, and then the inclusion of the ones who were manufactured just for this movie. But they're all seamlessly... Uh, interwoven. Um, it was fun. It was a fun little movie, uh, an enjoyable watch. Uh, but yeah, I boy, I can't wait for Tarantino's Star Trek when he's just all about fucking Vulcan feet or whatever. Like it's it's tropey to a point of of like I said, distraction from from the film itself. Um, but it was fun. You know, if you like Tarantino, you'll probably like the movie. Uh, so I, I, I recommend it. Is it the best movie of the year? Not, not really, but it was fun. It's, it's a Tarantino. You know what you're getting when you watch a Tarantino movie. Uh, for my money, still my favorite 
Tarantino movie in terms of rewatchability. Uh, Death Proof. Really enjoy Death Proof. It's basically just one movie-length uh, action set piece stunt showcase. Um, but I, I, I love the, the chemistry between the leads in that movie. And it's, it's, once it starts moving, it's just a relentless, uh, flick. So, yeah, maybe not the most popular opinion, uh, but that's my favorite Tarantino movie. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's, I saw Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood, and that was my take on it. It's fine. Um... Uh, what else have we got to talk about? Uh, let's get the, the upcoming events out of the way real quick. Uh, it's Wednesday today as of record and release of this episode. Thursday, August 1st, Game of Microphones. Really looking forward to this show. This this lineup is, is super wild. I know some of the performers, others I am not familiar with, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they do on stage. Um, the headliner, Lam Galuka, is fantastic. Like truly one of the one of the funniest people I've I've seen uh doing the thing. Um gotten to share the stage with Lama a few times. One of the nicest people. Um and can do it all. Like straight up clean comedy, uh can get political with it, can 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 do all the things. Um I've got a knock on my door, so I'm going to take a pause and be right back. Hi there. All right. I'm back. Um, that was weird. There was like an, uh, apartment inspection thing. Yeah. I'm not recording this in any super nice studio or anything. Just recording it in my bedroom in my apartment. Uh, but I'm back and here we go on with the thing. So yes, this Thursday, uh, Lam Galuka headlines. I am hosting game of microphones. It's been We've been on a tear lately, uh, this summer so far, um, some real, real fun shows and I've been super proud of all the, all the lineups we've put together. Um, totally delighted. One of the main things I've, I've been so happy with is, uh, how diverse the, the shows have been, the, the lineups have been, um, there's, there's never been, uh, so far since I, I started a lineup that was just like nothing but, uh, like nothing but white dudes. Like we've yet to have a nothing but white dude show. Uh, there's always been, uh, people of color or, uh, you know, there's been women, there's been, uh, uh, you know, people outside the, the gender binary, Okay, that's me. That's 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 just me. Um actually maybe not just me. I'm trying to think back now. But anyway, it's it's I've been real proud of the lineups we've been putting together, you know, the mix of of uh people doing a, a showcase for the first time and then, you know, uh some some people who have been on the scene for for quite some time. And yeah, I've just been real, real thrilled with the work we've been doing on Game of Mike. So if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, come check it out this week. It's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what else have we got going on next Thursday? Uh, I'm doing a guest spot at Two Brothers Roundhouse in Aurora for Still Not Friday comedy. So that's going to be cool. 
uh, August 24th. It's a Saturday. I'll be at Shots of Giggles uh, at the Drunken Donut in Joliet. August 26th, I'm doing Rising Laughter at my buddies in Chicago. Uh, so yeah, we've got uh, we've got some things on the docket, and uh, it's going to be a fun month. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and uh, yeah, come out to any or all of the things. I will love you forever. I'll I'll probably love you anyway, but you know, added incentive. I'll give you hugs if you're a hugger. Just come up and be like, hey, I'm here. And I'll be like, cool. Here's a hug. Uh <laughs> it was weird. Alright. Moving on. Um something else I wanted to talk about today. Uh the main crux of the episode, I think, is uh merch. Um there's a there's a a, a weird thing in stand up where like merch is frowned upon um which I, I don't know no one makes money you know what i mean like in performance in in any sort of art form like we don't make money uh at 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 least especially not at the start you know it's it's a grind and you lose money more than you make it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actively keeping track of the money I make versus the money I spend doing comedy. Uh, you know, it's it's easier with just doing, you know, focusing on what I spend for this than it was with uh, wrestling or than it was with uh, uh, the band because there's so many more people involved, so many more factors. But I can actively track what I spend and what I make doing comedy. Um, you know, all the, all the two drink minimums or, you know, uh, what, whatever else travel goes into the shows. And then, you know, uh, I, I started keeping tabs pretty early on with what I was getting paid. Cause it's, it's not difficult when you're just starting out, you know, cause you're not making a ton, but like you, you function at a loss, you know, uh, that, that's just, it's an, it's, you know, uh, hustling on, on that, on that first year. And I'm sure the first few years is damn near like having, you know, an, an unpaid internship. Um, you know, it's, it's about learning and, you know, putting in the effort and putting in the work and, and doing the grind and the whole thing. Um, so it's, you know, I, I get that element of it. Like no one, no one just comes out the gate, just straight making money uh, in anything, like, it, it should never be that easy, you know, you should have to work for it a little bit, uh, but, you know, like, with a band, bands make money off of merch, like, that's how you supplement being able to continue making music, you know, uh, merch money pays for recording studio time, merch money pays for, uh, equipment, uh, you know, if you need new guitar pedals or you need a PA or you need whatever, like merch money covers a lot of that. Cause show money typically isn't very good, you know, and especially depending on what you do with it as a band, you know, whether you split it amongst the band members or if you put it all into a band joint fund or wh whatever your chosen band dynamic happens to be you know, you're not making money off the shows, you know, um, 
especially if you factor in the travel to get there, and then if you drink at the show, if you eat at the show, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, so you're not making money off the shows. No one makes money off music anymore. Like, uh, uncouth shit is available to listen to on all of the major streaming platforms. Uh, we also have physical copies of the, of the, the debut, uh, EP. If you're interested, find us at uncouth Chicago on all the things. Um, but anyway, you don't make money off music. You know, everyone streams everything. So you're making percentages of a cent every listen. Um, so that, that's not a thing. Uh, so the only, the only other avenue is merch, you know, um, I think it's, uh, Jamie Josta of the band Hatebreed who said, we are a black t-shirt company that just happens to make music. Like all of the merch is what keeps the machine going. Um, and then with wrestling, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about it before. Part of the reason I quit is I wasn't getting paid for the shows. So I left cause pay your fucking employees, dude. Um, whatever. That's, that's some tea. I don't care anymore. Motherfucker ain't even paying me the back pay that's owed, whatever. Um, but one of the main ways I supplemented my pay in wrestling was merch. You know, having t-shirts, having wristbands, having stickers, having buttons, having, you know, whatever was available. Uh, hell, I got myself fucking uh, custom uh, one-hitter dugout combos, you know, uh, engraved wood and that whole deal. Um, you know, cause it was, it, it merch, merch is what makes the money. And one of my proudest things about my time in wrestling the past, you know, year, two years is getting everyone on board with having merch, having an online merch store, having a presence at the merch table, uh, because people who like what you do want to support you and they buy your shit, you know, and then if they buy your shit, A, that helps your payday. So if you're not the most well-paid performer on the card, well, you can supplement that with merch sales. And then on top of that, um, it's marketing. You know, anyone who wears your t-shirt is now a walking billboard for you. Um, and they like it because people like feeling like they're supporting the performers they enjoy. It's that added element of, of connectedness um, that, that people gen genuinely like. You know, I can't go to a concert typically without buying a shirt of the band that I'm there to see. You know, I like having that because A, I like being able to look at that shirt and be like, oh, I remember that show. That was a great show. I like that band. Um, plus, it's also like, yeah, this is something I support. So I want to give them my money and show my support. Like, I will straight up wear the shirt of the band I'm going to go see. I'm not too cool to do that. I'm there because I like that band. I'm there to see that band, to support that band. So yeah, I'm going to wear that band's merch. Because, like, I'll be honest, if I'm on a stage and I look out on the crowd and I see people wearing my merch, I'm fucking stoked. I love that shit. Um, but in comedy, uh, there's there's a, a, a line of 
thought that you have to be at a certain like you have to be a nationally touring comic to to have merch and i don't necessarily buy into that like if you're a local comic if you're a regional comic uh and you know the shows you do are the shows you do but you have a fan base and that fan base would support you buying your shit then have shit to sell them like that's why would you not you're taking money out of your own pocket by not doing that um you know and yeah i obviously if you're like just an open micer you you you're not doing shows you don't have uh, showcases you're doing you're not headlining shows like you're not at that at that level then yeah i i get it you may not necessarily want to have uh merch because then you're you're you know throwing money away at at a certain point cuz it's like you haven't you're you're not performing performing yet so i get i get where that could be frowned on like if all you do is open mics and you want to show up at an open mic with a merch table like yeah that's that shouldn't fly um but if you're featured on a show and you have merch uh i don't understand why you wouldn't uh want to have merch you know and and especially for for bookers like i think the the booking mentality needs to change because you know pay rates for performers are are you know they're not great typically um you know if you just look at the economy like yeah a lot of the pay rates are the same they've been for 20 30 years and that doesn't match inflation, you know, and part of it is you can't raise ticket prices uh, to much of a degree because people won't want to come, you know, uh, like for concerts. I've been paying, you know, $30 ticket prices for concerts since I was in high school, you know, um, a lot of the comedy shows I'm on, they're, you know, either free or, you know, at most like 20 bucks to get in. Um, and I imagine that's probably been the same rate for years, you know, so that, but it's not like, uh, the cost of running a venue, uh, has, hasn't changed. It's not like, you know, the cost of, uh, having liquor stocked or having food or being able to pay your servers or, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, cause that's all still, you know, being paid hourly wage or being paid a tip wage or whatever, like, or any staff you have to maintain a venue, if you have janitors, like, uh, I, I'm not originating, uh, uh, originating this line of thought. I, I forget there was a, a comic who, who had a, a big, uh, uh, rant talk on a podcast about, you know, pay rates and things, but here, here's my line of thought. So if you are the booker of a venue, and you you know what pay rates are and all that stuff. If someone has merch to sell that can supplement their pay, then why would you not want them to do that? Because if they get to have a good experience and make a little extra money, and they know it's a, a, a venue that'll allow them that or afford them that, they're going to be more inclined to be like, fuck yeah, that venue rules. That venue's cool as shit because they let me do uh, a thing to make extra money that doesn't distract from the show in any way, shape, or form. It's not like you're, you know, doing stuff during other people's set and making a ruckus or whatever. But, like, after a show, 
you know, set up a little, a little table and be like, Hey, would you like a sticker? Would you like a, a button? Would you like a t-shirt? Um, you know, sell yourself because then people, you know, remember your name, they remember your image, they, you know, whatever. Um, and that, you know, I, I, so yeah, I don't, I don't get the aversion, uh, to merch that there, there seems to be in, in the comedy world. Um, you know, it, it, it makes sense to me to have merch. I know, uh, uh, Chris Kimbrough just did his, his comedians at war show. I heard, uh, great things about it. Unfortunately, it was a Friday night and I can't get to shows on Fridays. Typically I have to take days off if I want to do anything on a Friday. Cause my, my work job is hot garbage sometimes. Um, Fridays are busy. That's all I'm saying. Um, but I heard comedians at war was good and I know, uh, he's got shirts for that and yeah, why not? Like, why not sell shirts for events? Or, uh, I know the, the, uh, I know Jay Garcia and, and the Tonk House crew, they're talking about, uh, Tonk House shirts, you know, to, for the, for the venue, for the, the thing. And like, yeah, why would you not want, uh, to, 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 to shill your brand and, and get the, get the word out there, you know, and, and if people support, uh, they'll spend the money like that, that makes sense. So yeah, I, I don't get the aversion to merch. I now admittedly, I'm, you know, I'm still new on the comedy scene and, and whatnot. I feel like I'm starting to build a little bit of, you know, a name for myself just locally um, you know, I, I, I have enough of a, a, a look and whatnot that even if you don't remember my name, if you've seen me before and you see me again, you'll be like, yeah, I've seen them. Cool beard, nice clothes. Anyway, uh, it, it, I, I, I still have merch as a carryover from my time in, uh, in wrestling, you know, so I still have my T public store. Uh, go to T Public and search Skits M Jones if you feel like supporting me, this podcast, uh, etc. I've got shirts, stickers, buttons, phone cases, whatever. A whole slew of designs by a whole bunch of really talented artists as well. Um, Tara Threat did some shirts for me. Nick Gurley, who also does uh, some of the, the artwork for Uncouth. Uh, Nick Gurley did a couple shirts for me. Um, uh, oh God, who else? Uh, 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 God, I'm blanking on her last name. First name, Devin. Ah, shit. Well, uh, Devin, uh, 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 alchemistic artist or artist alchemistic on, on, uh, the social medias. I've, I've tagged her. She, she knows. Uh, plus she's listed. If you go to my T public store, every artist is listed under the art that they did. So go to my T public store. I'm so sorry, Devin. Uh, you're great. You're wonderful. I love the trash Panda of talk, uh, designs you did. They're super fun, super cute. Um, but yeah, um, uh, got way off the rails there. Cause I'm fucking brain dead sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I still have a merch store as a holdover from my time in wrestling. And I still have merch, you know, from my, from my time as, as a, a, a wrestling personality, because, you know, 
I was the first one in the company to have all that. And then finally all the other wrestlers started uh, setting up their stores and, and getting their merch and stuff, which cut into my bottom line. Um, uh, but, you know, whatever. I want everyone making money. I want everyone getting paid. I want everyone to be able to afford to keep doing the things they want to do. And merch is one of those ways. If you can supplement your income and you can make more money, you can keep doing the thing. And that's the goal. Like, none of us want a day job, you know? Like, I certainly don't. I want to be a performer for a living. And having merch is one of those ways. So, yeah, uh, in in the same way that I've talked about, you know, I, I love that drag performers get tipped while they're performing. I wish there was a way to do that for, for comedy. I've seen it done in wrestling. I've seen wrestlers get tipped during a, a, a show. Um I know it's a big thing out in California at Hood Slam. Shout out to all the all the folks at Hood Slam. Uh, they are fantastic and and doing everything right out there. Um, uh, but I I've seen people get tipped during during a, a wrestling show, um, you know. And uh, it would be cool if if there were a way for comics to get that as well. Um, but another thing, I I think if you don't have merch you're you're taking money out of your own pot or you're leaving money on the table you know because people want to support people want to support the art that they enjoy um and i i would be curious to see the rest of the comedy scene get on that on that tip get on that merch train um let let me know your thoughts what do you think fellow comics what do you think about merch you think we should have merch? Do you think it there there's a a place for it? Let me know. I'm curious to hear opinions. Um all right. Let's move on to recommendations for uh the episode. I already talked about uh once upon a time dot 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 in Hollywood. Uh like I said, it was fun. It was a good watch. Check it out if you're into Tarantino. You'll probably enjoy it. Um uh Let's talk music. New song, or, new, you know, new enough. Because uh, I Love You by Lizzo. Lizzo has the distinct honor, though Lizzo does not know this, of being featured in, like, three of my bits. I think I have three different comedy bits where I name drop Lizzo uh, for a few reasons. One, Lizzo is fucking fantastic. Um, and I'm I'm a fan. Two... It's a perfect name. Lizzo is is a name you can drop into a bit and it's just got the right sound, you know? Like I've I've tried a few other artists for for some of my some of my my bits. Um you know, like I've tried to plug in like Billie Eilish. Uh that doesn't work as well. It's the name doesn't have the same role as Lizzo. Like Lizzo just rolls. Uh so I I I you know, I fucking love Lizzo, and thank you for uh, being a a uh, being a part of some of my material. Even though Lizzo's not listening to this and has no idea that I even exist, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, the song "Cause I Love You" uh, by Lizzo. It's easy uh, to forget because a lot of the talk around Lizzo is about you know the 
the general empowerment vibe or the body positivity thing or the flute solos or what have you. Um, so it's easy to kind of forget Lizzo's got fucking pipes. Lizzo can sing, not sing, sang. Like Lizzo can go. And it really shows on this track. So I love that this track opens the record because um, she just wails those notes and it's so good uh so yeah check out that track um and then for a throwback uh hit em high monstars anthem off the space jam soundtrack uh you know there, there's all the talk about space jam getting a, a sequel or getting remade or whatever and you know people talk about various tracks off the space jam soundtrack you know like obviously in the wake of everything Will we get uh, an R. Kelly, I Believe I Can Fly, you know, or people remember the, the actual, like, the Space Jam song. But people don't talk about Hit em High, Monstars Anthem, and they should. It's a fucking banger. Listen to this lineup. Be Real, Method Man, LL Cool J, and Busta Rhymes. That is a goddamned powerhouse fucking lineup of of 90s fucking artists like that a the track is a banger it's got that weird 90s era banger quality of being simultaneously aggressive as fuck and chill as fuck at the same time like it's wild and uh you know be real great method man great LL Cool J goes especially hard on this track. And then Busta, one of my favorite rappers of all time. Like, I love Busta. Busta's so weird. Um, so, yeah. Like, go back and listen to... Like, if you're going to listen to anything off the Space Jam soundtrack in the near future, go check out the Monstars anthem, Hit em High. It's so good. So good. Um, all right, so that's the recommendations. We got that out of the way. Now it's time for a card pull. Uh, I've done tarot the last few episodes. I'm bouncing back into the Asylum Oracle deck by Emily Autumn. Uh, again, an Oracle deck is, is similar but different from a tarot deck in that a tarot deck, they all have the same uh, suits, the same cards, even though they are represented uh, aesthetically in different ways. However, an oracle deck, um, while also being a, 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 a card deck that is used uh, to either prompt thoughts about the future, answer questions, or whatnot, um, an oracle deck can be a little more fluid in terms of the iconography that is used. And for the Asylum Oracle deck, all of the iconography is pulled from Emily Autumn's own work, uh, whether it's the Asylum for Wayward Victorian Girls uh, book or, uh, you know, albums like Ophelic or Fight Like a Girl, um, things of that nature. So uh, the Oracle deck that I'm pulling from, uh, it's uh, divided into five elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. Uh, each uh, suit, for lack of a better word, has its own uh, over arching theme and then the 10 cards that are within each suit 
break down certain elements of that theme. So uh, the card I pulled today is the Plague. It is an air card. And in this deck, the air cards are all about uh, breath. Uh, and, and breath is a, a tool. You know, for example, breath carries sound, breath carries voice. And as a result, uh, one of the main elements in this suit is uh, uh, thoughts of communication, which as a performer, uh, communication is everything. You know, what we're communicating uh in our, in our jokes, in our bits, what we're communicating, you know, if it's, uh, with the band, what, what the lyrics and what the, the music is communicating, you know, um, uh, things of that nature. So, uh, it's an air card. It's about communication and the plague is specific in that, uh, plagues spread, you know, so, uh, uh, the the idea behind this card is there is there is a thought there is an idea there is a, a a general vibe that you want to put out into the world and have it spread, um, but before that can happen it has to gestate you know, um, it has to to refine, uh, so now is a time to sit with your with your thoughts with your ideas refine them get them uh, you know. Uh, germinating in in your in your mind a little bit um until it is wet it is ready to uh be put out into the world and see it spread and uh yeah that's that's the deal uh with the plague card i know plague sounds uh, uh terrible um but it's it's just uh a like a key word or a a, a thought to to get the the general gist of of what you need to be thinking on. So so like I said the this card is all about communicating your ideas and having them spread. And to do that you need to uh isolate and refine your ideas uh the same way someone in ple- uh infested with a plague would. You you want to isolate uh and, and you know dwell with your shit um, but then, uh, you know, you want to, uh, embody the plague and put that shit out there and see it spread. So, yeah. So whatever your, whatever your, your thing that you want to put out in the world is now is the time to, uh, focus on it, refine it before you can harness it and release it. You know what I mean? Um, with the intention of then having it go out into the world and spread like a plague. Uh, but like a good plague, like a happy plague. Like, a, you know, if you're a comic, it's a, a, a laughter plague. Like, like spreading Joker gas, only ideally it doesn't kill everybody. Though, I mean, we do say, like, go out and kill it tonight or knock them dead. Wow, such weird, violent imagery uh, used for something that's generally so pleasant. <laughs> All right. That's a weird, weird little thought. But that weird little thought is where the fuck I'm going to leave you for this episode. Because I got shit to do. I got places to be. I got some, I got some lunch plans. I'm, I'm going to go hang out and have some hot pot with uh, uh, fellow comic King Kelly, uh, who you should check out. Um, King Kelly, super fun, wonderful person, very funny, uh, delight, 
delightful to share the scene with. And we're going to go grab some fucking food. So, on that note, I take my leave of you, but I leave you, as I always do, with, with one request. Keep that trash fire burning, y'all. Thank you.